Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Hello, church. It is good to be back with you. Good to see wherever you are from. And we have a lot of check-ins today, which is always exciting. Sometimes I like to mention several of them, but they're coming in hot and heavy. So it is really good. I appreciate it so much. Uh, Also, we're aware that some of you have your own worship in your house churches, and then you move right to the sermon. And we understand that. We really do. Um, But I'm going to suggest that this time you might want to go back and listen to the greeting by Josh Turner. It is worth four minutes of your time to go listen to that. He sent me, he said, I I sent you a greeting to use at church. I remember the first minute I'm going, it's not greeting yet. The second minute I'm going, still not greeting. Third minute I was going, "This this is good. I don't know what this is, but this is what we want. And so Josh, keep them coming. And I believe he has sent another one, if I understand correctly. So thank you, and uh, the rest of you, please send those in. We also found out that between rehearsal and the time I had to jump up to play the guitar, the battery died, so some of you didn't hear the guitar at all. So all I can really say is, you're welcome. Um, uh, This happens, it's live. Now we could have, if if we wanted to, Dave could have come down here and we could have just riffed for a while changing the battery. But some, and we might sometimes, because we don't want this to be even though it's on a stage. I wish you could come see all of this. Um, we don't want it to be a stage production. We want this to be your living room. And so we're a little bit more casual about some things and hope that that's good with you. It must be because we continue to grow. I think we are within a hair of 3,600 subscribers just on YouTube. And the number of followers on Facebook continues to grow. Thank you, Hannah uh, and Kirsten, for continually pushing that out there. Let's go to work. Way back... In the 70s, there was a psychiatrist named Thomas Harris, and he wrote a book that became a bestseller, and it's not an easy read. It really isn't. He's not a writer. Uh, he got better uh, after the first one, but it's called, it was called I'm Okay, You're Okay, and you can still buy it. It introduced transactional analysis to the public, and if you don't know what that is, I don't really want to go down that rabbit hole, but it is a therapeutic modality, a way of doing therapy where you break down human interactions into a game and you understand who the players are and who the payoff is. It's actually a really useful modality and I've used it many times, especially with uh, families that have an addicted person in the family and once they learn the games, they can learn how to deny the payoff, which is a big deal. That said, why did people grab it even though it wasn't an easy read? And why is it still in print to this very day? It's because people want to know if they're okay. People are desperately wanting to be okay. We ask it about our babies as soon as they're born. Are they okay? We ask it about ourselves. We look in the mirror and say, am I okay? The number one response I got whenever I had a blog for, I'm not really sure how many years, I'm going to guess maybe eight or nine years, 
I ask, what question would you ask God if you could only ask one question? And I thought it was going to be about the problem of evil. But the number one question by far was, if I only had one question, I'd ask him, am I okay? I get that. You know, at some level, the Advent and the Easter stories should have answered that question for us. But those stories have stiff opposition from the world, from the bullies in the universe. And the universe does bully us. And it's not just a middle school or grade school issue. Although there's nobody harsher and meaner than a middle schooler uh, bully. There's not. And you know, one word can change a person's life and for the worst. And the bullies continue. Now today, it's, middle school continues. But now it's called Twitter. And it's called Instagram. And it's called TikTok. And the bullies will swarm you. I can remember once just putting up verses on Facebook and then being attacked relentlessly for three or four weeks, being called a racist because I, there had something that had occurred, I didn't even know in the world that it had occurred, and they took my verses as a way of saying, oh, that's not important, and when I didn't even know it happened. You can't apologize to the bullies, by the way, because once you start the apology thing, they will never, never, never let you stop. And so I just exercised my finger and blocked people. And I had one person say, who would Jesus block? I recommended they read Revelation. It, um, the, the problem is corporations tell you you're wrong. The internet tells you you're not okay. The media tells you you're not okay. And they will tell you the world is not okay, that you are wrong and you're not okay unless that you accept what they say, how they say it, and you never question them, even though they keep changing the answer. They will never let you rest. As I've said many times before, when does Barbie not need more clothes? They will keep making them and keep saying you need stuff. And you need the vehicle, and you need the wife, and you need the husband, and you need the kids. You know, 2.4 kids, although that seems a grotesquery to me. Um, you need to be average in all these different ways. And if you are not, you will be shamed. And if you do not agree with whatever I say, then you are wrong, you're evil. You can't disagree with people anymore and still be friends. They go for the juggler. What's happened? That's the world we live in. So I want to do something else. I want to talk to you about what Advent and Easter tried to tell you. And that's something which has already occurred, which is already not just an aspect of your identity. It is the core of your identity. And nobody is telling you this, at least not on the media. And as soon, by the way, as you get to take a breath because a commercial comes on, they'll tell you another way, the commercial will tell you another way that you have failed yourself and all of your friends in society. By the way, that's not new. You can Google old TV commercials and you will see them shaming people for halitosis, which was just bad breath. And B.O., body odor, and all the other, and oh no, my husband has a ring around the collar. They have never, the world has never wanted you to know who you already are. Before I launch into that, I just want to give a shout out <clears throat> to all the primary school teachers out there that drilled into my wee brain constantly the power of language, verbs, the tenses, 
how to use them. And those ladies, and my teachers were all women, taught me the alphabet. They taught me basic math. They taught me language skills that I use every day of my life. There are still times when I'm in a library or I'm looking up something where I will do the alphabet song in my head to make sure where I am. Or I'll do the the books of the Bible song to make sure I'm headed toward Hosea and I don't miss it and run right into Micah, you know, which wouldn't be tragic, but it's not Hosea. All of those hard work and thank you so much. You taught me how to survive in the real world rather than telling me the real world is awful and that I just needed to know that it was awful. You didn't even tell me it was awful. You just told me how to survive. Thank you for that. Real skills. Are you ready to go back to primary school? You ready to, to look at the power of the tenses of verbs? Trust me, you want to hear this. And if it was the last sermon I could preach, I put up on, uh, on Facebook recently and Twitter, if I only had two sermons, I would go door to door and want to sit in your room one-on-one and tell you what I'm going to tell you today and what I'm going to tell you next week. A writer named Neil Anderson put together long ago, who are we in Christ Jesus? And I'm using a lot of that material here, but not all of it. And you know, always credit to whom credit is due. And I'm, if, I'm moving it around a bit, so... Uh, If there's part of this that makes you go, huh, just assume that was me, not him. But all right, so let's let's go with this. John chapter one. By the way, we're gonna the way we're gonna do this is if you've got an open Bible, remember them? Those are nice. If you had open Bibles, you you can just move forward. You never have to do any backtracking. All right, John chapter one, verse twelve and thirteen. Listen to this. Yet to all who received him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The world won't let you know this, but you're a child of God. You are. It's already happened. Did you notice here? Let's take a look. Received, past tense. Did you believe? Believed, past tense. What then happens? The new reality, you have the right to be children of God. The world can look at you and say, you're too fat, you're too old, you're too young, you're too wee, you're too small, you're too this, you're too that, you're not educated enough, you've been educated too much, whatever it is. But here's the thing, here's reality, and it's a hard thing when you leave school and you hit reality, it really is. I can remember talking to teenagers who would say, I can't wait till I'm 18 and I can make my own decisions. And I'm going, no, you never get to make your own decisions ever. And they don't understand that until it happens. The reality, you need to be prepared for that. One of the realities of life is things are only worth what somebody will pay for them. Period. You can do your art And your art may be amazing. It is only worth, however, what somebody will pay for it. There are shows that they call reality shows that are all set up, pre-planned, and the like. Things like Pawn Stars or American Pickers or the like. And and you can enjoy watching them. I enjoy American Pickers sometimes. Um, But as they go through, they'll pick up something that to me is a ratty old thing. Do not step between me and a trash can. That thing's going. 
And they'll say, oh, it's this. And then they'll say, I'll, you know, I'll give you $100 for it. Guess what? It's worth $100 if they'll take it. That's what it's worth. My son and I restored a car, his first car, a 1973 Grand Torino. I bought him and we restored it while he was getting ready to go to the Marine Corps. That was, this is our way of bonding and being in the same place. And yes, I got my son a 73 Grand Torino because I'm a cooler dad than you are or ever will be. The bar has been adjusted. The point is, <clears throat> we put a lot of money into that car. There came a time where he sold the car. We didn't get the money back. You know why? Because it wasn't worth that much. If you restore cars right now, you are going to testify, brother, testify. Because that's the way it works. Car, you do not get your money back on a car. You're doing it for you, not for the next person. You have already been bought by God. And he says you are worth his son's life. If the world comes along and goes, you're worthless. You don't have to answer them. You just need to know they're wrong. Because somebody paid that much for you. John 15, verse 15. I no longer, present tense, 2,000 years ago. So we know how that works, right? I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Now there's a huge wave hitting me right now that wants to run down that, ro that road for the next three hours. Because what did we know about God when Jesus said that in John 15? That he loved us and that we were to love him and love others. And Jesus says, that's everything I learned from my father. And I've already given it to you. But the real kicker for our lesson today is you are a friend of Christ. Now, right now, the devil is whispering in your ear. He's called the whisperer more than once in scripture. And he is, he, his whole thing is to slander God to you or you to God. God doesn't really care that much about you. God doesn't, if he really loved you, you would have, you get to eat from the fruit of that tree. He, it's the same thing he does. The same thing he's always done. Or he'll talk to you about slandering you to God, saying, you're not worth it. Look at what you did this week. Look at what you're planning to do. Look at the kind of life you're living. Can you not see that the detritus of your life, that you've just ruined everything? He will do all of that. Here's the thing. His opinion doesn't matter. He loses. The whole point of the universe, there, there are two teams. Jesus has a team. The devil has a team. Jesus' team wins. Pick a team. That's it. Life is so much simpler than we, we really realize it is. And you are Jesus's friend. Even when you disagree with him, you are still his friend. He forgave those who were torturing him to death on a cross. I think he'll get you past that little language slip you had last Tuesday. You're his friend. Oh, but it is even more. We get to go down history here, but hang on. I won't go there yet. Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we, oh, a complex tense, have 
been justified by faith. We have, current, present tense, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Romans 5.1 is a pretty one, big one. You've been justified by faith. Now, there's a thing that we have lost. As I was eating an ear of corn this week, uh, and we, we love sweet corn. As soon as it's in season, we're all over it. And so as I'm eating it, I, I sat it down and I looked at my wife and I said, you know, this is an amazing pleasure, but there's part of it which is fun in my head that anybody under 40 doesn't experience. And she said, what? And I said, when I'm eating an ear of corn and I get to the end, I hear a ding. <laughs> See? <clears throat> like a typewriter. And you go back. And there are times that I really got enough corn in my mouth here, but I need to finish the line, right? <laughs> to get the ding. All right? Back in the day when we used typewriters, they didn't have spell check. They didn't also do automatic justifying of the text. If you don't know what that is, whatever word program you use, whether it's Pages, Word, or, or one of the open source ones, uh, click off the justifying, and you'll see one end is all ragged. I can remember my mother every week typing church bulletins, because you had to have a church bulletin, or you weren't a real church. And she would type it once, and then fill the spaces to the end of the line with diagonal marks, now called a forward slash. Then she would type it again by saying she needed to find four spaces in this line to put a little bit more space between this one and this one to get it even all the way down. Oh, it took a lot of work. I can remember the first time that I typed a document, and then I looked up and I saw justify, and I clicked, and... It was like, yes, all of the angels from heaven oh, came down. It was amazing. It means made look perfect, correct, in every single way, completely justified. You will not, on the day of judgment, have to say a word. Nobody will have to say words for you. Like, all right, now I'm going to be taking care of this guy, and I know he has these crimes. No. You are already justified. I pray to our, our God in heaven that we can learn to live our reality. This is, these are not wishes. These are our reality. I had a lady walk out once after one of my sermons. I'd only been in America maybe three or four months at a time. And she looked at me and she goes, well, you just need to know I don't think much of your preaching. I'm not sure why I needed to know that, actually, but I didn't question. Uh, I just leaned over and I said, to be fair, I don't think much of some of them either. <laughs> I wasn't offended because I've been justified. I'm a friend of Jesus. I am God's kid. Nothing she says is really going to enter into the record. Be that way. Live your reality. Or, how about this one? 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17. By the way, in the notes, I noticed I'd put it as verse 13. So if you got the notes, the notes are always in all of these sermons. 
they're down below. So you can, uh, you can download them. You can use them. We copyright nothing. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Now, I know a lot of people will say, oh, well, now, hang on. If you've united with the Lord, the whole chapter says you already are. And that's the point of it. You are united in spirit with the Lord. And the point of the passage is, that's why we stop sinning. We don't stop sinning so that we might get a chance to go to heaven. That was, that was the lessons I learned when you were a boy. I met, do you remember every now and then the preacher's getting all over about your sins? And then, you know, there'll be thunderstorms going. I remember we were at a church once, had a metal roof. Always a bad idea. Always. Uh, and, or the flat roof. I don't care what they say. Technology is great now. It isn't. Don't. But a metal roof, and it was just going and howling. And a preacher said, the next crack of thunder. And thunder doesn't crack. But I, anyway, um, there, that, that could be Jesus coming back. And not all of us are going with him. And I'm looking around going, I'm eight years old. I don't know what you know, I've done here. But this is a little scary. One preacher, in fact, was saying, Jesus could come back before I finished the sermon. And I was thinking, you, you've gone long enough to... Increase the odds there. Uh, that's, I wasn't an easy child to raise. I, I have the feeling. My mother doesn't. She won't yell amen. But she, she's thinking it. <clears throat> it's not about not going to hell. It's not about do good and you might go to heaven. You are going. And the reason we don't sin is because that ignores the reality of our unity with Christ. You don't want to embarrass Christ. Therefore, we don't do these things. And he specifically uses, Paul does in this chapter, an illustration because men were going to sex workers at pagan temples. And he said, when you unite yourself with her, do you not understand that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit and it grieves the spirit. Now, when I was a boy, they would often say the spirit would leave you when you're sinning. No, he doesn't leave. He grieves. Don't grieve him. Make him proud of you. You want God, you want God to say, that's my child. And he does. Not one of those. Um, a, a comedian I listened to years ago said, uh, my wife and I have two amazing kids. And everybody's applauding. And he goes, and, and another kid. We, and, and of course, the whole idea there was for the humor. Paul isn't saying, you're the other kid. Paul's saying, no, you have Jesus with you. The spirit is in you. Let's not upset them. Isn't that a different way to look at it? And as we already said, 1 Corinthians 6 again, 19 through 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you received from God? You're not your own. You were bought, past tense. It's a done thing. Bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. You know what that means? It means don't smoke. That's what, that's what it was used. Well, that's, that's the only lesson we ever got, was, was don't smoke because your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, no, it's, it's, a, it's a lot more than that. It's a lot bigger than this. You have been bought at a price that set your value. 
there's your baseline. I went to get my hearing tested, um, I don't know, six, eight months ago, because I realized, right, I've turned 66. Most people, you don't know you're losing hearing until you know, somebody tells you. And so I figured I need a baseline. And I went in and, you know, Costco does it for free. So uh, free Scottish, right, I'm there. Um, don't matter how many times I have to you know, stay in line. And she even asked, she was a really great professional. She said, now, why are you getting your ears checked? And I said, I think I'm okay, but I need the baseline set. Because the next time I come in, I want it checked. And she said she wished everybody would do that. We got the baseline set. Um, she said something to me, didn't quite catch it. And then, no, it's just a joke. No, she says I'm fine. Um, and so that was it. We have a baseline set. We are worth the blood of Christ. That will never go below that line. Ever. You might say, but well, all the things I've done. <clears throat> he knew who you were when he bought you. He knew more bad about you than you know when he bought you. Some of the things you, you're really proud of shouldn't be. He knew that and he bought you. You have been bought with a price. By the way, may I remind you, this was to Corinth, the most dysfunctional church that has ever existed. Just read the books and you'll keep going, oh my goodness, why does Paul keep calling them brothers and sisters and saints? Because they are. Yeah, we could be a dysfunctional family, but guess what? Did you hear it? We are family might as well put the fun in dysfunctional and just enjoy the ride. How about this one? 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Quote, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. He has said this after listing all of the sins, division, the riots breaking out during worship, the, uh, the wife swapping, everything has gone on. And he says, you are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. Behave as if you believe reality. Trust reality. It's kind of like being, being afraid of flying. I'm not afraid of flying as long as the plane's involved. I mean, if you throw me out, you know, that's different. But you can be there and not understand the mechanics. But the reality is that planes aren't falling out of the sky. These things work. So why not just trust the reality? I've, I've sat beside people that was the first flight so many times. And every, everything that makes a noise, what's that? Is that okay? Is that normal? There were times I was tempted to go, well, that's new, but I didn't. <laughs> but I didn't. I told him, trust, trust the odds. Trust the math. Trust reality. You don't have to understand it, but it still works. Same with the love of God, people. You don't have to understand it. It still works. So why wouldn't you want to live up to the reality? You're better than this. Ephesians 1, 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ, by the will, I'm uh, sorry, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Before I go any further, I want to back that up. Saint. What does that mean? Ooh. 
It means a lot. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, First Peter, there, okay. Um, oh, look at that. Bible's coming apart. You have to keep the pages in because that would be taken away from the Word of God. Um, no, it's a book. It's, the, it's what the words mean that are holy. First Peter chapter 2. You ready for this? You also, like living stones, as stones of testimony, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. You, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture, it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Do you trust Jesus? Well, then there's no reason to be ashamed. Now, do you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not, do not believe, the stone the builders rejected have become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that causes them to fall. What's he saying? Jesus is the reality. If you deny the reality, you will stumble, you will fall. And this is what breaks my heart about what passes as our media and our education system because if you're teaching ideas and concepts not rooted in reality, there will be a moment when reality hits. And you have not prepared them at all. You've not prepared them for what could happen in a public restroom. You've not prepared for them for what may happen whenever they say, well, I want a job. I mean, there is a, and I'm aware that this could be completely set up to where they only chose these answers. But there's a video going around on Twitter and Instagram right now of a, a, an individual asking a bunch of women, how much money does your husband, would, would a man have to make before you thought he would make a good husband? And the average is well over $300,000. Now, those of you in other countries that don't know what that is, that's a lot. It's a massive amount of money. And some of the ladies seem to be very sincere about this. One even talked about that if he doesn't give you a ring with at least three carats, it's not, it's not a doable thing. Really? My wife has a little chip of something we think may be a diamond. NASA's still hunting it. And we're doing all right for 44 years now. And we've never made that kind of money and never will. And it's all right. Point is this. What happens when these women hit reality? When they find out the major for their degree and for the other guy's degree comes with debt and no job. We need reality. You are a saint. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are, present tense. You ready? Looking you in the eye. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people. But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy. But now you have received mercy. Oh my goodness. Did you notice the tenses of the verbs? It's not about you might qualify if you do better. 
or if you do your best. Let me just clear that up. Nobody on the planet ever, except for Jesus the Christ, ever did their best. Nobody has ever lived up to their potential. I, I can remember teachers saying that about me to my parents. He's not living up to his potential. And I'm already six, seven years old thinking, well, potential for what? Because it could be potential for mayhem, violence, and great potential. You have to, again, maybe not the easiest child to raise. Listen to this, Hebrews 2, 14 through 22. The reason I'm reading so much is because you won't believe it if it just comes from me. He himself, Christ, is our peace who has made, past tense, the two groups, one, has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to you who are near. And through him we both have, present tense, access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built, past tense, on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as, present tense, the chief cornerstone in him. The whole body is joined, current, present tense, together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Can you just sit and soak in that for a few weeks? It is reality. You are complete in him. Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14. What does it say? He has rescued us. Tense of the verb? Past. He has, I'm not making you do the past, plural, perfect. I'm not, we'll keep it simple. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. There are certain prayers that I've heard over the years that sometimes make me just go, oof. And one of those lines that were in prayers I heard all my life growing up would go something like, and if we be found faithful, live with you forever in heaven. Know that line? Almost creedal. If, if, if you paid enough for me, I guess the deal's done. If I'm covered by the blood, if I've been rescued don't doubt God when he tells you something. He's got a really good record of being right. You're better than you thought. <clears throat> You're whole. I'll, one more, and then we'll start trying to land the plane because I'm already over my time. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given. We always talk about the first part. In Christ, all the deity, all the, 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 the trinity, the Godhead, lives in bodily form. And, oh, there's an and. You have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. 
So in Christ lives all the power of the deity, and you live in him. Where's all the power of the deity? Go look in the mirror. We're going to look at a different aspect of your faith and your identity next week. But we also need to remind you that the world wants Jesus gone. Because he is in the way of their ruling over you, bullying you, and not being a son or a daughter, but being one of the herd. As C.S. Lewis put it, God wants children, Satan wants cattle. The world wants Jesus gone. They want a world without Jesus, and they are willing to fight you, cancel you, strip you of your identity, destroy your faith, your children's faith, and rip, around, rip away the ground upon which you stand, all so that they can have their world without Jesus. The expression fight like the devil has great meaning because the devil fights hard 24-7 and doesn't give up. That's the way we've got to fight him back. I was asked several years ago by the Ohio State University, because I do special courses there for different uh, professional groups, medical groups and the like, and they, they wanted me to do a one-day class on, for physicians and other medical professionals on ethics. I told them, I would have to speak of Christ, and I'd have to speak of the reality of God if I was going to teach ethics. And they said, well, you really can't do that in this course. I said, I know. And they said, well, what, could you find another way to do it? And I said, no, I really couldn't. They called me back twice, offering more money each time. And I'm saying, it's not about the money. It's about the reality. I cannot build a skyscraper on a cobweb. I need a foundation. I need a reality. Because without Jesus, there is no basis for any system that we could call ethical. And those who cry out to the community that, that, that we can develop ethics equal to or superior than anything done by Jesus himself. I would remind you that human history is full of such systems that have been tried. Check the news feed to see how that's going. You'll see war, rape, slaughter, dictatorship. I met a karate master once. It was back in the heyday of karate. If you weren't there, good. Because there was a show called Kung Fu, and everybody decided that's what they were going to do. But I met a real master. He had flown in from Japan, and I forget what kind of belts and don and all that other he was. But I was super impressed by him because he was quiet, very humble. He knew who he was. He didn't have to put on everything. He didn't have to act like he... You, have you ever met somebody who's had three karate lessons? You can just say, can you pass a salt? Sure. Oh! You know, it's just... <laughs> and this man had such economy of movement, whether it was just moving to a chair or getting a glass of water, nothing was wasted because he knew who he was. We know who our Jesus is. And we know... It's not church rules and theologies. We know who he is, and so we know who we already are in him. Therefore, we are at peace with the reality of the universe. And the world cannot tame us. To go back to Josh Turner's opening, we have another one to whom we are leashed. Not to the world, 
You can pull all you want to. We're not going your way. We have, past tense, overcome the world. We no longer believe the world when they say that we're phobic, stupid, haters, ugly, failures. We would no more believe that than if they accused us of being 12 foot tall and purple. We know what words mean. We know what reality is. And we know who we are. Remember that. Live out your reality.